Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Love you guys. I just, I just pray a blessing over your families and you as you celebrate Christmas and just the incarnation. What an incredible event. I'll stop there. I'm going to get carried away here. I've got some other things to talk about. Okay. I just want to talk about blocking and tackling of the kingdom again today. All right? When I say this, what I mean is, hey, what are the fundamental things that God is calling people to do from all time and every place? What are the patterns we see of Scripture? If we can get the blocking and tackling right, right? Oftentimes the outcome of the football game goes well. It's the same in the kingdom of God. And so obviously our core values here are loving God, sharing life, and proclaiming Jesus. And we see those things happening in, in the Bible in different patterns, right? There's what, what uh, sometimes we've called the five circles of a healthy church, okay? Circle number one is you getting time with Jesus, right? The most important thing is that you have a relationship with God, that every day you are being led by the Spirit, as Paul says in multiple places in the Scripture. You yourself are connecting with God. You're reading the Bible and you're praying, fundamentals of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We talk, that we talk about, hey, we've seen the Bible patterns of twos and threes, right? Jesus has his three core guys. We see him sending people out in twos, that small group that we often call discipleship, where you can really get real about the things going on in your life. Because we're not here to put on a show. I'm not wearing, you know, a suit. There's nothing wrong with wearing a suit. Okay, but I'm just saying, you know, we're not, we're not, putting, up, we're not, we're not putting up a front. We are saying, here's the garbage of my life. I am still loved and accepted. Because that is the love that God has. Okay, I'm talking too long on these. Life group. We see patterns of, like, Jesus in the 12. We see people gathering in homes in the book of Acts. Okay? And that's why we have life groups at our churches, because we see that pattern in Scripture. Love for you to get connected in one of our life groups on our website. But today I want to talk about, obviously, we see the large gathering as well. You're all here, so I'm not going to talk about that. The last one is just engaging with the world and being on mission with Jesus. Right? Jesus sent his followers out right before he ascends to heaven. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, right, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. As a church, we are a family on mission. That means that you are a missionary. You are a missionary. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are on a mission to see people encounter the love of God in their life and be transformed by the presence of the Holy Spirit, to know the truth. And for that truth to set them free, to receive forgiveness of their sins. Oh, man, it's a beautiful thing to know God, right? And so here's the challenge I have for you today. Who is the one person that God is putting on your heart that is far from God or that doesn't believe in Jesus that he is asking you to start praying for for this new year? Who's the one person, right? So we're going to actually just do something because church is not a spectator sport. So we're just going to pause for a moment If you already have that person, if you already know who God has put in your heart, this is a person that he's really asking me to be intentional about in this year, right? Just loving on them, sharing the gospel if you have a chance. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor. Jade gave the women at the Women's Night a challenge of giving away four gifts to neighbors and things in your area, so maybe some of you are trying to meet those challenges, okay? But let's just pause right now. Who is God putting on your heart? So you can ask him for a person. If you already have that person, just start praying for that person to encounter Jesus, okay? give you like 30 seconds. Let's just pause. Lord, we're just going to wait in your presence. Thank you, God. Speak to us.
Thank you, God. So, Lord, we just say, <clears throat> if, you, you know, if you didn't hear a name, hey, Lord, we, I just ask for anyone that didn't get a name or feels like they want to reach out, Lord, just reveal that in your time. But I pray that you would get us on mission as a church. Every, every day we're thinking about those that don't know you. We're praying and contending for those in our families that don't know you, our coworkers. Just, I just pray you would put that, 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 that heart in us again in a fresh way in this moment. Lord, as we move into just the time in your word, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill this room? Would you speak to us? We all need to hear from you. So just fill me with your spirit right now, God, and um, let us hear from you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for doing that, guys. When I was a kid, one of the most memorable presents that I ever received was a Lego monorail. Oh, man, that thing was awesome. I was a Lego geek when I was a kid. I had all kinds of Legos. I had pirate ships. I had, you know, police stations and, you know, just a million things. And I would spend hours in my room just making new creations. And, you know, that whole left brain math thing is coming out right now. I just loved, I just loved that. And this one year I probably had seen on a commercial on TV or in a Lego catalog that, of course, they would always send out in November to kids that had purchased Legos or whatever. I don't know how they got my address, but they knew me. I saw this monorail, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the thing. You know, it was one of those giant Lego sets that was probably like back then like over $100 and now are like 400 or something. But um, that was the thing that I wanted and I asked my parents for it. And so when I was a kid, my parents, we'd sit at the tree around Thanksgiving time, you know, that day after, that was always our tradition. And they would start to be buying presents after that time and putting them under the tree. And they were, they were really secretive about it. And so you'd just start to see boxes appear, you know, and they'd be wrapped. And you'd be kind of judging, like, the size of the box and kind of looking, oh, man, that box looks like about the right size. And I wonder if it's in there. And you kind of, you know, it was, it was totally un-okay un- in our family to, to shake the presents. But, you know, you, you're just like, you know, I'm just poking around a little bit. You poke it, see if it shakes and sounds like Legos. And so I just remember, you know, that morning, like that box, I can still see it in my mind in the corner. It's kind of tucked in the back next to our couch at the back of the tree and, and pulling that thing out and just tearing the paper off. And there it was, you know, the Lego monorail. I can still smell like the smell of those like fresh Legos and packages. You know, I, I just, it just brings me right back. And I built it right away and I, I put it around the tree and it was battery operated. It didn't need to be plugged in anything and just, oh man, it just, you know, circling around the tree had lights. It was just... It was awesome, man. It was so fun. We all, we all have had experiences like that in life. You know, as a kid, just, just longing for different things for Christmas. Maybe, you, maybe you, you've gotten them and sometimes other, you haven't. And even this year, maybe you've been thinking about, you know, what you want for Christmas or what you've asked people that are typically buy you gifts. Maybe you're just going to go out and buy yourself something. You know, it's a little different as an adult. But we all want things for Christmas. It's part of a Christmas thing. The question I want to pose to you today is, what does God want for Christmas? If God could have a present from you today, what would he ask for? What's on God's Christmas list that he's, you know, giving to Santa Claus? Okay, sorry, that's not funny. Okay, sorry, it's not funny, obviously. Okay. Well, here's the answer that I think we're going to see in the Bible today. God wants you to trust him so that he can bless you. What God longs for from people is a relationship of trust. Because his heart is to bless 
your life. He loves you, and he wants you to know him so that he can bless you, so that he can love on you. And this is what we're going to hear the Bible say almost verbatim. Blessed are those who believe. Blessed are those who believe. When we believe in God, we gain access to the blessing of God. Here's where we're going to see that. Passage that these kids read a part of. We're going to read it again. Before we turn there, uh, I ask you to do a couple things. If you have a Bible, please turn to Luke 1. If you have a phone and not a Bible, Google Luke 1. Because I'm going to ask you a question at the end. You might want to look back at the passage. But while I'm reading it, I'm asking you just to, if you want to close your eyes and listen. If that's, for me, oftentimes that's better if I just get rid of all distractions, even just looking at it myself. If that helps you, please feel welcome to do that. So you don't need to read along with me if it's distracting because the translations are different and all that stuff. It's powerful sometimes just to sit and listen to something being read. Um, but I want you to be able to turn there after I'm done. So you can follow along if you want or you can just listen, but it'll be, great. it'll be helpful for you to be able to turn there and look at it. All right, Luke 1, we're going to start in verse 26. Okay? It's obviously the classic Christmas story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb left for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Amen. Amen. What does God want for Christmas? He wants you to trust him so that he can bless your life. Because the Bible says, blessed are those who believe. Now, The first question we have to address, though, is, well, what is exactly the blessing of God? When we talk about God wanting to bless people, what is that blessing 
really like? Well, here's the first thing we gotta, we got to pick up on, is that God's blessing is different. But God's blessing is best. Look at what it was for Mary. Okay, this is not, this is not the American dream, or in that case, the, the Galilean dream. Okay? Mary's engaged to be married. It sounds like she found a wonderful guy. Okay? Joseph was a carpenter, so he's got kind of that rugged appeal, right? He's working with wood. He's got that kind of, you know, manly wood smell going on. It sounds like from the Bible what we read is that he was a righteous man, right? When he found out that she was pregnant, he was going to divorce her quietly. He could have publicly shamed her. Maybe she would have even been stoned based on the laws in that day. But he wasn't going to do that. We see a guy that had, that had a really strong character. He's got, a, he's got a great career. He's going to provide for her. She's got it going. And the Lord comes and says, you know, Mary, you're highly favored. I've got great news for you. You're going to get pregnant, but it's not going to be from your husband. Right? That is not exactly the blessing that most of us would be looking forward to an angel coming to tell us. We're thinking, you just won the lottery. I'm going to make it. I'm going to give you a new car. Boom, here's a new house. You're never going to have financial worries again. Everything you touch will turn to gold. You know, whatever. Those are the things that maybe we would think about. But Mary, you can feel maybe if you read between the lines, the emotion in that last line that she says, in the Lord's servant, may your word to me be fulfilled. Even as she is realizing in that moment what this could mean for the rest of her life. If Joseph didn't obey the angel, or if God didn't, she didn't know that God was going to speak to him in a dream and tell him to still take Mary as wife, right? She could be alone the rest of her life. Always thought of as an adulterer. And that probably was still what many people were saying about her, knowing that she was pregnant before her and Joseph were married. Or that, you know, they had consummated the marriage before they were married. And that was a big taboo back then. wasn't quite the blessing that maybe Mary was hoping for. wasn't maybe some of the dreams that she had for her life. And yet, look at what the blessing of God was. She was chosen to carry the Messiah. Every Jewish woman's dream. Right? And all these promises that start to flow out of what the angels are saying. He'll be the Son of God, the Son of the Most High. He'll reign forever. He'll have a never-ending kingdom. Right? And to Joseph in the dream, it says that Jesus is going to save his people from their sins. See, the blessing of God is different oftentimes than what we might expect, but it is way better. Right? Eight days later, Mary, uh, after Jesus' birth, uh, she receives another kind of difficult word associated with this blessing. This guy, Simeon's in the temple, and they come to present Jesus as the law commands. You know, he gets circumcised. They, they present him and all this stuff. And this guy, Simeon, uh, just speaks over her, all these things about Jesus, but then says, Mary, a sword will pierce your heart also. And the blessing of God is often different. Mary's pondering these things, wondering, what does that mean? Obviously, we look forward to say, because she would see Jesus die on a cross. Right? But again, the blessing of God is better. Even when the blessing of God looks like it's not a blessing, like God is somehow cursing our lives, we see through the death of Jesus, the victory of God, and the forgiveness of sins, right, for all people, and the resurrection bringing new life to anyone that would put their faith in Jesus. 
and that through those people, new life would spread to the earth. We often have our hearts set on things in life. As we think about our Christmas wish list, or you know, maybe some clothes, or this gadget, or you know, the greater things that we think about, maybe that we are asking God for, a great job, a spouse, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, financial stability, financial independence, okay, good health, fun experiences, you know, freedom to travel, whatever it is that's kind of like you know, on your bucket list or the things that you feel like are weighing you down that you wish God would release you from. God often is offering us something different but something much better. Because those things in our life that we, that we are often looking to, to to fill a void or to make us happy or to get that next thing that's going to give us a little bit of spark of joy are not the things that are really going to last or really that our hearts long for. So what is the blessing of God for us? What does God promise to give us if we would believe? A relationship with Him and forever life with Him. That He would bring us into his family, and call us children of God. He would give us peace and joy in our hearts. As Jesus promises, you know, that you would have joy and have it to the full. His own presence, that we would know that, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Forgiveness from our sins, freedom from the power of sin in our life, from shame, from feeling fear and guilt, and even power over death that we would live forever. Guys, that's a pretty awesome blessing. It's the things our hearts really long for. Listen to these promises. I mean, there's a million of these. There used to be this little Bible promise book that I would see around as a kid, but here's a bunch that I just pulled out from the Scripture that God promises to give us. The blessing of God that is accessible because of Jesus. Do not fear. I am with you. I am with you always. If you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously. If we confess our sins, He will forgive us. Whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal, divine life. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. And Jesus Himself, right, says, seek first the kingdom and His righteousness and all these things that you worry about will be added to you as well. God's will is healing. You may not have perfect health, but you know that Jesus healed everyone that came to him. He said, I am willing. And this one, God works all things for the good of those who love him. That doesn't mean that every circumstance is divinely ordained in the sense that God made something bad happen to you. It might be the enemy of your soul that is causing bad things to happen, but God will take it and work it for good. Right? God's peace will guard your hearts and minds. Right? And then Paul says that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians 1, and he goes on to list them all. Adoption, grace, redemption, forgiveness, the Holy Spirit himself, holiness. And then Jesus says, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Are you getting bored with all these blessings? Yeah, it's always boring to just open one present after the next. Right? Guys, this is the goodness of God. He wants to bless your life. He wants to give you the good things that no one can ever take away or you can never lose. 
the things that your heart yearns for. Think about if you never worried again in your life. You think money will remove your worries? No. It will not remove your worries. It might alleviate one problem, but there's always another problem that comes up. If you're a homeowner, you know what I'm talking about. You fix one thing, and then there's always something else on the list, right? The same with the cares of this world. They never disappear just because you're a millionaire or a billionaire or whatever the next thing is. God promises to give you peace. What about joy? Jesus came that we would have joy. Do you believe that that is God's heart for you? To live a life of joy. That you would be at such a place in your life that every day you're waking up excited to be you. Excited for a new day of relationship with God. Regardless of the circumstances that you are in, that you're thrilled to know God and you have joy in your heart in a deep place that no circumstance can take away. Oh man, I want that. Jesus is the only one that can give it to you. And he wants that for your life. And above all else, God just wants you to know him because he knows that as you know him, all of those blessings flow through a relationship. Years ago, I was, uh, <clears throat> I was frustrated with my career path. I was a teacher, and there was a lot of things in, in teaching that I loved, but I felt like I had kind of done it in some ways, where I just had been like, okay, I, I've done this teaching thing. I've kind of, you know, I wasn't like a rock star teacher, but I was a good teacher. I did a good job. I think the kids had a good, I got a good relationship with them. I think I helped them really learn math well, and I was gifted at it. But I just, I just felt like there was something else for me there. I just remember, you know, just in different stages, just wondering, God, what, you know, what do you have for me? You know, like, is there something else? Am I going to be doing this forever? I feel like you're calling me to something else. And so I went to seminary. After four years of teaching, I just felt like, you know what, quarter-life crisis, I don't know if I want to do this forever. I'm just going to quit and go. I didn't know if I was going to be a missionary, pastor. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just thought, hey, go to seminary. I like ministry. I like God. I like the Bible. Let's go study. And so I graduated from seminary. And it wasn't until six years later that I went into ministry. That was a long period of waiting. But in that season, right, I'm learning about the things that are more important than the things we're often thinking about. The the real blessing of God that is always accessible to us in any season, in any circumstance. It's a relationship of God that brings his life, joy, peace into our lives. All right, so how do I know that God will come through? If it's blessed are those who believe, we access the blessings of God, it has to come through a relationship of trust. It has to come through us believing. We have to receive it by faith. How do I know that God is actually going to come through? How do I know that God is going to do what he said he's going to do? How do I know that these things in the Bible, these promises that I listed off one after the next, would really be true for you? Well, you heard the angel say it best. No word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. God has never failed you in your life. Whatever circumstance you're in where you feel like God has let you down, 
Hear what I'm saying. God will never let you down. He is always pursuing you, always looking for you to respond to Him in trust. The Bible is not saying your life is going to be roses. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I am always with you, even to the ends of the age. I will not leave you or forsake you. I love you. I am 100% committed to building joy and peace into your life for getting you free from fear and shame and guilt and anything else that would hold you down. He is eternally committed to you. And you know that more than anything else because Jesus became a person. If that story is true, that is one of the most mind-blowing acts that you could even think of. Here's a world that is just filled with darkness, oppression, slavery, just injustice, murder, war. And the Bible paints a clear picture that God didn't do that. He gave us freedom, and we chose sin. We chose evil. We chose independence. We chose pride. And that brought evil into the world. But instead of God just throwing the earth into the sun and letting it explode and starting over, think about what he did. God made an eternal commitment to matter itself and to the human kind, to human beings. Because he became a human. God took on matter. Jesus is still a person. In the incarnation, he became a human being. There is a person in the Trinity of God. We have a man up there. God kept his promise. He didn't let us down. As we talked about a few weeks ago when I talked the first message in God keeping his promises. He didn't vaporize all our problems but he entered into them with us. He became Emmanuel, God with us. He is always there. He is committed to us. No word of God will ever fail. All right, I got way ahead of myself. Look at even this passage. Look at Mary. What God said happened. Every little word about Jesus' birth, everything that Jesus would do, we see Luke teasing it out through his gospel and showing us the victory of God in the cross that Jesus died on and in his resurrection. Look at Elizabeth and Zechariah, right? The story you saw the kids act out today. What God said would happen, happened. Look at Abraham. The story we saw a few weeks ago. God promises his son to happen. The whole Bible is full of promises that came true when God said it would happen. All of the things about protecting the Messiah that we see in the gospel writers, either they were geniuses to weave that whole stuff in there or it's actually true. Right? God always keeps his word. No word of God will ever fail. He is eternally committed to his creation and to you, to your life, to your well-being. He wants to bless your life. He's asking you to trust him. And you know, guys, the other thing is this. We have the promises of God written down in a book. Abraham didn't have this book. It wasn't written until Moses, like 400 years later. We have them written down for us. All right. I'm getting a little too preachy there. This is good news. 
For you, so maybe it's things that God has put in the Bible. You're a follower of Jesus. There's things in here that you need to re-up on and say, you know what, God? I'm not experiencing that necessarily right now, but I believe it because your Bible says it. Because your word says it. Because no word of God will ever fail. If you've promised this, I am standing on that promise. Lord, I repent for making fun of that hymn. Okay. Sorry, no Baptists in here standing on the promises of God? Come on. Maybe it's something that you sense that God had spoken about your life that you haven't seen happen. God is challenging you today to believe that word. Because the blessing of God is accessed when we believe in God. Just like it is if you're not a follower of Jesus. The first step is saying, receiving the forgiveness of Jesus. We've all screwed up our lives. We've all made a mess of things at different points in time. And God just says, I am willing to forgive all of that. I just want you to trust me. I want a relationship with you. Right? We access the forgiveness of God by believing in him, by putting our trust in Jesus. It's accessed through faith. So from the pulpit, probably a year plus ago, when we were in our crazy journey of moving seven times in two and a half years with small children, we put all of our stuff in December of 2015, so three years ago, in a pod. And at a certain point, I started to worry about that stuff because just time kept going on. Like, is there going to be a leak? I didn't insure this. You know, will there be rats that, like, get into this pod? Bob King, the custodian here, told me a story about a storage pod that here, and rats got into it, and they just had to, like, toss everything. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, gripped by fear. And so I asked the Lord about it, and he said, I will protect your pod. And I had a choice in that moment. I had a choice. I could take that as a word from God and say, okay, God, I sense that you say it. I am standing on that. Or I could just give in to fear and doubt. And let me just be honest, I fluctuated, okay? But this summer, when we bought our new house, we opened that pot up, and it was all good. And so I just want to honor Jesus right now. He kept that word to me. And you know what? Even if, he, if it hadn't happened, God would still be faithful. God would still be faithful. There's some greater thing that maybe was a mystery there, or I didn't hear God exactly right, but God will never let me down. I know it. And he will never let you down. And it's not because you're an awesome Christian and you're such a wonderful person. No, it's because he is a God of blessing and love and he keeps his word. God is good. A friend of mine named Travis Phillips, who's the pastor of one of our sister churches, uh, Antioch Community Church in Phoenix, told me the story when we were in uh, Dubai just a month ago. He was leading one of our discipleship schools. And they had just planted their church in Phoenix. And they, they're bringing their first class through the, the, our discipleship school. And uh, they were going to Lebanon to reach out to, to Muslims there. And so he was leading a team there. And right before they left, he looked at his passport. He's leading this team. And it had expired. And he's like, okay. What do you do in that moment? I know what I would do. I would freak out, Right? But you know what he did? He stopped and he asked God, what do you want me to do? And God said, go. It's okay, Lord. I'm sensing what you're saying is go. I'm going to go. Flies in with his team to Lebanon. He's leading this trip. Did I mention that already? Right? They get to Lebanon. He gets through into the customs part of the airport. Right? They get off their flight, their bags. And the two guys, he hands them their passport. And there's two guys there. And they're not paying attention to what they're doing. They're just kind of joking back and forth, talking. 
Just kind of take his passport, whatever, check him through, stamp it, next person. He's in. He goes right to the consulate, the U.S. Embassy, gets an emergency passport, and uh, they ended up traveling to another country, I think, while they were there as well, maybe Syria. This is years ago, before they had the computer scan everywhere. And uh, when he's exiting the country, they, they check his passport thoroughly, and they say, wait, wait a second, why do you have two passports? And they look at the original one, and they say, hey, how did you get in here? And he's like, well, I don't know, they just put me through, you know? God provided, right? God will keep his word, Right? He is faithful, but we have to access that by trusting him. Travis could have heard that and then said, you know what? This is too risky. I'm not doing it. And then he never would have seen the word of God fulfilled to him. Right? What does Elizabeth say? Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I wonder in that statement, if it's not that Jesus wouldn't have been born if Mary hadn't believed, maybe it was more about what was going on in Mary internally. Nine months of stress, of fear, of worrying about what Joseph's going to do, about what people are going to think, about the rest of her life. Instead, Mary takes a posture of faith and says, let it be done according to your word. Right? I am the Lord's servant. The step of faith activates the blessing of God. And obviously, the blessing for Mary that's a blessing for us was the birth of Jesus itself. Yeah, we're doing pretty good here. So maybe you're asking now, well, what do I need to do, Brian? Blessed are those who believe. I'm hearing you. What, am I, what, are, what are you saying that I need to actually do? Let's get concrete. I realize that the blessing of God is going to be different from what I am asking God for in my life or I'm hoping for, but I want that blessing. I want a relationship with God. I want to know my sins are forgiven. I want peace and joy in my life. I want to be free from sin, shame, fear, guilt. I want God's life to flow through me into other people. Well, again, God is asking you today to trust him. That's the response. We have to believe in God to receive the blessings of God. Right? I've already mentioned this again, but look at Mary again. She acts in faith and accesses God's blessing. And look at the contrast in the narrative with Zechariah. Why was he not able to speak? Do you remember the story? Because when the angel, I mean, he had an appearance of an angel. You'd think that would be a great time for, like, bold faith, right? There's an angel standing in front of you. Whatever they're saying is probably going to happen, right? No, he doubts and challenges the message that the angel shares. It's a moment of weakness for him and unbelief. And so God actually doesn't even stop the word from happening. He just strikes him and says, all right, you're gonna be, I'm going to show you, I'm going to teach you a lesson. You can't talk now until the baby's born, right? Unbelief. It's the same for us. I already said, Jesus has forgiven us. He's provided forgiven forgiveness on the cross. We've got to access that by believing in him. Jesus says this funny statement. I don't know if you know the story, but um, his good friend Lazarus had died. And they sent word to him, Lazarus is sick, come heal him. And he waited to go. 
And by the time he gets there, Lazarus has been for like, dead for like over three days. Martha comes out to him and is kind of like, Lord, if you've been here, you know, da-da-da. He's talking with Mary. But he speaks this word to Martha. He says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. It's believing is seeing, not the other way around. Believing is seeing. As we believe in Jesus and as we believe what the Bible says about us and about God, you will see the glory of God. I can guarantee it. When you believe what's in this book, when you believe the words that God has spoken to you, you will see the power and the glory of God in your life. Because that blessing, right, blessed are those who believe. It comes through faith. It requires a risk. Famous uh, evangelist, healer, Smith Wigglesworth said, the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. Let's have the band come back up. Here's the response today, guys. God wants for Christmas... He wants you to trust him because he wants to bless your life with blessings that are way better than anything the world has to offer you. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, if you're like, hey, you're just in church today because, you know, you're with family or a friend invited you, I just want to give you a, just a little challenge, right? Could it be true that there is a God out there? Could this, these stories about Jesus actually be true? And there's a couple ways to explore that. I mean, one is just to challenge God. Say, God, show up in my life. I want to encounter you. I want to see, like, the things that you did in this book. Maybe a second one is just to take this book and read about Jesus. Guys, there is no, even if Jesus is not real, there is no more beautiful life than has ever been lived. I mean, incredible. The guy shows up to a funeral, and guess what? He ruins it. He raises the person from the dead. They bring a woman who's been caught in adultery. She might still be half naked in this moment. They, they shame her by standing her in front of all these people. And what does Jesus do? He speaks in a word, freedom. Neither do I condemn you. He's always hanging around with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners so much that they call him a drunkard. Right? I mean, there's no more beautiful life than the life that Jesus lived, the love that he showed, the power that came out of him to heal people, to set them free, to help them become who they truly were in God, to proclaim forgiveness of sin and freedom. Oh, man, it's, a, it's so beautiful. Could it actually be true? I just would challenge you to read the gospel. And maybe for you, if it's an intellectual thing, I just challenge you to explore that. There are answers intellectually for the things that you've heard that you think discount this book or discount the existence of God. If it's true, then, then let God be found true and every man a liar. All right. For those of you that are believers, here's the challenge for you. Do you believe the promises of God in this book? What are the ones that you are struggling to believe right now? God wants you to re-up on that right now. Not later this week. He's asking for you to say, what have you not believed that he has said in his word? What is a word that he's given to you personally that you have doubted? Now is the moment for you to re-up on that and to say, God, I want your blessing and I am going to believe. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her.
Amen? Blessed are those who believe. Let's stand. I'm going to pray and help you and engage with the Lord. Have the prayer teams come up on the sides. If you want someone to pray with you, please come. Some delightful people that will be standing there ready to pray with you.